0: What's going on, everybody. This is Trevor, one half of TBT Hosea 46. You all know me as Trevi Trev coming back to you again on today with another what probably was seem to be a intense episode, so to speak. Um, so um can't wait to get started in that. Uh, I got a special guest, I got actually a couple of special guests joining me on the day. Um A good friend of mine, he's on. He's going to help guest co-host with me on today. My brother, Enoch. We've been reading this book. um, Really intense, uh, very good, well-written. I mean, hard to put down. Some people may say, man, I don't know if I can make it through. It's all good. We made it through and really enjoyed the book. I I have to give this author um, who is joining us hats off on a well-written book and really a book that it was hard to put down. So the book, some people have heard of this house and some people have heard of the man himself. Uh, the book is entitled The Demon of Brownsville Road, a Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh family's battle with evil in their home. As you all know here at TPT Hosea Four we've been dealing a lot with the occult, we've been dealing with the supernatural, demonology, had some very special guests on. Uh, it, we had an Anglican exorcist. We had a guy that uh, specializes in UFOs and the correlation with demons on that end. We had Dr. Michael Heiser to come in and talk about a theory of the origin of demons. Uh, so we just we, we've been dealing quite extensively with that on that. Um, but I want to get somebody that's going to talk to us about his experience dealing with demonic infestation in his home. Joining us. On today is none other than Mr. Bob Cramer, author of *The Demon of Brownsville Road*. Welcome, Mr. Kramer.
1: Thank you very much uh, for having me. I uh, I always welcome the opportunity to uh, to talk about the book, uh, whether it be a you know a nationwide uh, 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 radio show um, or a podcast. Uh, I've been on coast. I was on coast to coast for three hours. Uh, one time I've been internationally, there's been television shows and there's actually a movie in the works at this point, but, uh, my, uh, my purpose for writing this book, I, I, um, I never really had any experience or interest in the, in the supernatural or the paranormal as, as it has, uh, become known in the past 20 years. Um, but when I was thrust into this situation um, and uh, came out the other end of it several years later um, with a whole new perspective on faith and life and existence, so to speak, um, I, it was just such a, such, a, uh, such a revelation and such a um, fantastic story that I felt I had to um, document it and to write a book. And I'd never written a book. I had no idea how to publish a book. Uh, and, but, but I did keep notes through the whole ordeal. So I had mm-hmm. 350 pages of, of, a, of really a diary that I had kept. And I just started writing. And five months later, I, I produced a manuscript and then, uh, entered into the, uh, the daunting task of, uh, getting a publisher to publish the work, which was uh, almost as hard as dealing with the demon, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, was successful. Uh, Penguin Random House uh, published it in 2014. Uh, It's still selling well on Amazon uh, after three television programs and uh, now uh, New Line Media of Warner Brothers um, films, uh, is working on a movie.
0: Wow. Wow. Did you find it hard for a publisher to snatch your, your workup? Where, where well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's genre? a
1: very, very difficult process. Uh, a lot of people mm. talented, write books. Um, I think I heard once one in a thousand books actually, you know, gets it to a public gets to a publisher and gets, gets picked up and published. Um, mm it was, it was quite a, quite a task, but I, I really, I, I feel that um, I, I took this on as somewhat of a, of a ministry. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to tell this story, um, not so much to write a, 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 you know, a terrifying story, a spooky story about not only a haunted house, but a, a possessed house. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why people buy the book because they scare me to death, but, I think I know that the purpose of the book, uh, especially these days, where so many young people know nothing about God, uh, know nothing about traditional religion, right. uh, they they find they find God in my book. They find the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. And and at the end, um, it you, you you either it either affirms what you already believe. Or it, it makes you question uh, what you don't or what, what you do believe. Uh, if right. Because the, the one thing I, I discovered through all of this, uh, through firsthand experience, um, and, and I say I have the same type of faith now that, you know, the apostles who saw Jesus, you know, raise someone from the dead or walk on water. I know all of this stuff is true. I mean, there's no question. I know it's true. I have dealt firsthand with the supernatural day in and day out. And I know it's true. uh, And, uh, and, and that's my message. uh, And, and I think it resonates and that's my purpose that uh, people will find, uh, you know, salvation through it. They'll find God through my book.
0: Amen. So Let me let's jump right in. So you grew up in the is it is Brentwood, the suburb outside of Pittsburgh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's 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 many, many little towns that surround uh, Pittsburgh itself in Allegheny County, 130 different little towns. Okay. And uh, Brentwood happens to be one of them right on the border. And I grew up uh, in Brentwood and uh, was fascinated with this house. Uh, from my earliest memories. And and I really feel that in a way I was touched early on in my life uh, that eventually I would be the one who dealt with this issue and uh, mm. was through some type of divine providence, just in the way that I came to own the house and, uh, and then eventually had to face uh the issues with the house and 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 then furthermore i think you know god gave me the the talent and the um uh the tenacious spirit to uh to write a book and to uh, stick with it until until i was able to get it published
0: right so did you did you have any prior knowledge of the house when you were living in in that town
1: well i i knew the house i i used to mm-hmm. always used to stand and and look at it, very impressive. Um, I didn't know anything about its history. I didn't know that it once had a reputation of being a haunted house and that there were issues surrounding it. And what I found out about the community itself and its ties to organized crime and all different Mm -hmm. types of things that happened in the community uh, that I think, was an outcropping also of the demonic spirit that, that was occupying the house. I mean, this thing was tenacious. It, it would not leave. Um, Mm. it was a powerful demon. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't your average demon. This thing was powerful and it fought, uh, to hold on. And, uh, it, it took, it took a long time to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you, um, so in the book, you know, you go through your history, you, you know, you grew up in this town, um, you know, you admire the house. Eventually you, you know, you got married, moved away, military life. He was involved with military, pretty high ranking. Um, then all, you know, you and your wife uh, decide, Hey, you want to settle down with the kids. And so you come back to the Pittsburgh area and you buy the house in the book, you, you, you know, the owners were very willingly to let the house go.
1: They, they won it out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. And so, okay. You guys show up and you go look at the house. Uh, You know, your son runs off and you're wondering, where's your son? Where What happened to your son? Your son starts screaming and crying.
1: Well, yeah, he wasn't script. We found him. My wife noticed he wasn't with us. Right. And she went up into the house to find him, her and the, the woman, the lady of the house. And they found him up on one of the, of the land, the staircase, big staircase goes up to a landing and then cuts back. And he was on the landing halfway up the staircase, like hyperventilating, like mm-hmm. shaking and hyperventilating. Um, like he had seen a ghost, and it was interesting that the woman ran up to him and said oh honey did you did you see something which my wife right away said like what do you like that's weird what type of question is that and it was very clear that these people knew um that there were issues with the house and and they wanted
0: did you did y'all ever find out was your son old enough at that point to tell you what he saw
1: You know, that's a good question. No, he he doesn't really remember that he was, he was, uh, he was three years old at the time. Mm -hmm. um, And, uh, and he he doesn't, he doesn't remember Um, a similar thing like, well, I mean, growing up in the house later on, they saw all kinds of stuff that they do remember. But that particular instance, when we were looking at the house, he doesn't remember that. No. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a similar incident that happened like, just like that, which I have in the book happened to my grandson Mm -hmm. years later, uh, same thing. And, um, in fact, in that case, um, at the time, my daughter was married and had, had a son who was, he probably was two years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, he was coming, they lived on the third floor of the house, which is a separate like servant's quarters. And his mother, my daughter sent him down to the first floor where my wife and I were in the kitchen. And, uh, I heard him from the back of the house. I could hear him on the second floor again, uh, hyperventilating and and screaming and went up and found him shaking like a leaf. And all he could say was monster monster. Mm. So He had obviously seen, seen, seen it
0: right now when did everyone started to experience at what point so you guys move in and you know you you're living it you enjoying it when did it start to go off in your head yeah with, i would say right?
1: you know within 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 two weeks mm-hmm. i i knew um my wife and i both knew uh from from what was what had taken place now our children at the time we had a a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a brand new newborn. I mean, mm-hmm. he was uh, he was just uh, two months old. So um, they certainly weren't involved in any of the activity that. And and what what I had first noticed in the house that caught my attention, um, and again I document this in the book. There's a big walk-in closet under this staircase. Mm-hmm. and um, in the closet is a uh, is a old uh, like Victorian light with a pool chain on it and I noticed that I kept my overcoat in there And when I would go to work in the morning I would go to pull that pool chain and it would always be wrapped around the light the cha- little chain that hang hung down you know and it has a uh, you know, Victorian light had a shade, very nice, ornamental, right. and it would be wrapped around the top of the light, or it would be very meticulously wrapped around one of the little screws that held in the, the crystal shade. And, and I would have to, I, you, when you open the door, you can't see and you kind of just feel for the light and the chain. And I would always have to unwind this chain.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: after that happened a few times, I said to my wife, because obviously it's just her and I in the house with the kids. But they, you know, this thing—I'm, you know, almost six feet tall, and it's level with my eyes. The kids aren't messing with it. Um, I said, obviously, I thought she's, you know, going and she had a vacuum in there. She'd pull the pull the chain and let it fly, and it would wrap around the light. So I said, please don't do that. I said, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm, (laughs) I, I I always have to unwrap it. And she said uh, to me, I, I, you know, I haven't even been in that closet for several days and I don't do that. I pull Mm -hmm. the chain. In fact, I've noticed that too. And I said, that's it, really? Okay. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's do this. One morning I was going to work. I said, okay, put my coat on. We both see the light. I'm turning it off. The chain's hanging straight. Close the door. Don't go in there till I come home tonight. I came home that night. We opened the door. And the chain was wrapped around the light just as it wow. happened. So right, right with that, we knew from that, that one instant, there's something going on in this house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then eventually other things like that would happen. Not, not really, you know, anything malicious, but, uh, you know, come down and the radio would be on, lights would be on. In the, you know, first things like that, that you knew weren't right. And and soon we came to understand, well, there there's a spirit in this house. Okay, mm-hmm. well, um, well, we'll just deal with it. And once you get past that, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it. And I, I remember my, my mother at the time, she was Catholic. Let's have a priest over to take holy water and go through the house and bless the house and so on. And that should take care of it. And for years, a number of years, we lived in this house, just thinking we lived in a haunted house. Mm -hmm. But uh, it it was much more than that. It was a haunted house. We did have ghosts, but it was much more than that. So eventually, uh, this thing began. um, And again, at the time, I didn't realize that was anything more than like, I don't want to say a playful, but a benign kind of spirit that just did things, but wasn't going to hurt us. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that there was this really evil entity. It would take some years before it really exposed itself and, and really began to try to hurt us. And, uh, and that, again, that's, that's the book. I detail that in the
0: book. Yeah. I wanted to ask you uh, for the audience sake was um, you know, was it a progression, you know, you started with the pool chain, obviously, as you just say, you detail in the book and then, the violence comes or there's the attack on their family was it was it just physical or did you guys experience mental did you well
1: experience- eventually eventually it became very physical. Mm-hmm. Initially though it was mental and I did not know that the things that were happening to my wife and to two of my children uh, were a result and could be attributed to this evil spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it took time until like all hell broke loose. Um, that I realized like it all came together. I started to understand what had taken place and uh um why the family was so dysfunctional and 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 problems that the children were having. I mean, you're living in a house with a demon, for goodness sakes. It's right. not a healthy place and environment to raise children. And uh but it wasn't until this thing finally unmasked itself and became, uh, you know, people deal with ghosts and ghost stories, you know, they'll see some apparition or something floating down the hallway or something that, that you know, it, it doesn't, it's not threatening. This thing was like living and dealing with the invisible man. I mean, this thing mm-hmm. was interactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was, I would talk to it. I would deal with it. And it was uh, it was very first person and in your face. Eventually, it would be okay. when we began to fight it.
0: Okay, um, so one one part that jumped out to me, and I was like, okay, this thing is something serious, like really something serious. I forget which one of your sons it was, but he, you, you have the letter he wrote in your book. One day he was he stayed home from school, wasn't feeling well. Your wife dropped the, the, your other children off. Yeah. And tell us about that letter, because that was. Well,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I know the first instance you're talking about. I think the letter came later on. Okay. Um, but my oldest son, who really was most affected by this, um, he lived. He lived. His bedroom was a particular bedroom. We call it we call it the blue room where a lot of a lot of death took place. Uh, A doctor um, had a uh, an illicit illegal abortion practice, and he Mm -hmm. practiced his trade in this one particular bedroom. He would rent rent this bedroom out in the 20s and the 30s and women would come and have abortions in this room. And no matter what, you know, I can say whatever they're a person's feeling is on abortion, death is death. And uh, there was even at least one woman who actually died because of a botched abortion. So that took place in this bedroom and the bedroom happens to be my son's bedroom. (laughs) Mm. And um, one day uh, he stayed home from school, uh, sick. uh, And my wife, uh, I believe she went to the pharmacy to get him some medicine. And while she was gone, uh, this black figure mm-hmm. came into the room. He was probably at the time eight years old. And this black figure came into the room and um, he was terrified and he pulled the covers up over his head. And once he did that, as I can recall, uh, the, the covers were were torn down off the bed completely to the bottom of the bed, and he was laying in in bed with you know no blankets on, just his pajamas, and I believe at that point something was floating over the bed, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so that was one of the first instances of uh, of uh, you know of si- a per- actual paranormal sighting of something, and it really affected his personality. He became very introverted. And uh, he, had, he had serious problems uh, later on because of it. But uh, uh, interestingly enough, um, when we were having the blessing by the priest, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a month or two after we had moved in, and uh, we as a family were going uh, through the house as the priest blessed all the rooms with holy water, he came to my son's bedroom that that particular room and now again he's three years old little guy he stood in the doorway of his bedroom and formed like an x uh put his hands uh from the door jams down his legs spread and said you can't come in this room (laughs) it was Mm. the strangest thing he said to this priest you can't come in this room And uh, I initially was just going to pull him away and say, what are you talking about? And the priest just said, Oh, don't worry about it. And kind of threw some holy water over his head and continued on. Mm -hmm. But that those were some of the early, um, uh, you know, early experiences that, that told me that, you know, there's really something not right with this house. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you um, after that, that's when you maybe started consulting with people on the outside. I, I know you said uh, in the book, there was one guy that worked with you who said, oh, you bought that haunted house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I worked, uh, I worked for at and and there was a guy whose father had grown up uh, two streets down from the house. Mm-hmm. And correctly, he said, and I found out later when we did all of our research on the house and who built it and so on, that um, the original owners had to move out because they didn't, they couldn't pay the taxes. This was during the Depression. Mm-hmm. And it was empty for a time. And he said that his father, little boy at the, at the time, and his friend, like, broke into the house, and they were chased out of it by something. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, that house is haunted I said what are you talking about he goes I'm just telling you there's problems with that house and that was not long after we bought it and Mm -hmm. so you know all these things like a few months after we were I was out in the front yard and I I said this is in the book and I was planting flowers up towards the uh, end of the driveway and my shovel dug up a little metal box and I could tell it wasn't an old box. It, it wasn't rusty or anything. It was like a, you know, like a little box that Sucret cough drops uh, came in. And mm-hmm. I opened it up. And, and I, as I recall, it had rosary beads or Catholic, uh, you know, um, uh, paraphernalia in it. And I said, this is strange. So I went and called the, the guy I bought it from, the owner. And I said, hey, uh, Jim, I just dug up this box out in the yard it has like rosary beads in it. Can you tell me what this is about? Mm-hmm. He said, all he would say is please put it back where you found it. Mm. So they 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 knew about it. They tried to take steps um, as as I had asked him when we were buying the house, my wife was suspicious after that event with my son mm-hmm. and made me ask the guy, is there anything wrong with this house? Now you would think he would say, clarify, what do you mean? Like the plumbing or the heating or something. Right. But he knew right away what I meant. And he said, Oh no. In fact, we've had mass in the we've had mass in the living room twice. And I thought that was interesting because mass mm-hmm. isn't something that priests take on the road. Right. Mass is celebrated in church and let church, you know, like it's a time of war or something, but mm-hmm. it's only in church. You don't celebrate mass in a house. Um, but, uh, um, I, I took that as a, as a strange answer. And uh, um, so it, it told me that later on, even after the events took place and I was writing the book, I took a, a time to call him up just to see what he would have to say. And I talked to him for a while and I said, hey, uh, you know, we've had, lived here and we've had some really strange things happen in this house over the years. I was wondering if maybe we could get together sometime and you know have a cup of coffee and talk about what you experienced and he, his his response was let me get back to you. Mm. <laughs> I never heard from him again.
0: And he never he never told you why they had the rosary buried at that particular spot did. he?
1: Well, he never did, but you know I later found out that it that's a that's a ritualistic blessing you you bury holy objects at the okay. four corners of the property. The house is blessed by a priest. They have mass in the house, and and uh-huh. they did they did you know went through the whole ritual of cleansing a house. But the problem is, you know, we eventually would do that too. You know, mm-hmm. we we'd eventually have mass in every, almost every room of the house, including the attic and the basement. Right. Um. Uh, but this thing was so powerful that, uh, you know, it it, it, it wasn't a one time shot. This this was something that. Ended up being virtually a battle to mm. uh, to exercise from the house.
0: Yeah. Um. Tell us, okay. So, which way do I want to go? All right. So, you in the book too? You talking about you were once Baptist. You st- you grew up Catholic, being Baptist, and then you know you started when you guys started noticing some stuff. You're singing uh, from a Baptist hy- hymnal. Um, was it nothing but the blood of Jesus?
1: um, there's power in the blood,
0: power in the blood. There is power. Yeah, I know. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I grew up Baptist, Pentecostal and Methodist. I had it all in my family. <laughs> I know exactly. What you're talking about. Um, what made you go to Catholicism for help? Because that seems like it's a, it's a trend. Cause I was reading another book. Um, by Robert H. Bennett. And in that there's several stories he tells of where there's Protestant preachers that will tell members of their church when they're having cases, of infestation um, experience, they were involved in a cold or ghost or something that the pastor told them to go to see a Catholic priest. Catholic. I don't want to yeah. deal with that.
1: That's right. That's
0: what right. what led you to. Well, so get help from the Catholic. yeah
1: I, it, and again I, I think just in the way the way this whole thing was set up um, uh-huh. I, I think it was a, it was a plan um i uh when i was uh, 16 let's see 16 1973 yeah 16 years old i had a you know a born again experience and and uh um uh, eventually became a uh, you know evangelical christian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh when i was in the army i was in the south and and attended a lot of good you know bible thumping hardcore preaching churches you know and mm-hmm. uh you know you know what i mean it's good hardcore um fundamental baptist churches and, right uh, um that's what we were we were mm-hmm fundamentalist christians and uh um i i had grown up catholic uh but uh um found my faith in another denomination and was happy with it and you know again uh, as with my bible in hand and taught sunday school and even preached myself i was licensed as a preacher you know i had all the answers those guys you know they have all the answers to everything Mm -hmm. um But what was interesting, and let me veer off and just tell a real quick little story. I was um, I I eventually became uh, I was elected uh, county commissioner of Allegheny County, Mm -hmm. um, which is which is like a small state population wise. And it's a very, uh, very, uh, 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 pretty big position in Pennsylvania. It's like the mayor of Philadelphia and the commissioners in. Allegheny County and Pittsburgh and and uh, so it was funny I I used to get especially in the holidays I would get all these gifts from mm-hmm. from you know vendors and contractors and all these baskets would come to my office and it was so many of them I couldn't send them all back but so I asked a, a guy that worked for me who, who can I give these things to and he said well right near my house was a a convent of cloistered nuns. Now, cloistered nuns are the nuns that they go in a convent and they never leave. You know, all mm-hmm. they do is pray, and they right. they they go as young girls and they stay in that convent until they die. Sometimes they live to a hundred, and and they they don't have any contact with the outside world. It's like an old medieval tradition. So it was on my way home, and I used to stop there all the time with multiple baskets and. And you'd go and ring a bell and you didn't see anybody. You just heard a voice. And then they had this like turnstile that would open up and I'd put my stuff in it and it would turn around and close and I would go on my way. So after I did that for, you know, I did it for a long time. One of the nuns finally opened the door and and thanked me and said, oh, I want to tell you, we're always so excited. All this wonderful stuff. You get. So, I eventually became friends with these nuns.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And after I left office, I, I said to them, listen, um, you know, I got time on my hands now. I've been 10 years in politics. What can I do to help you? And they kind of let me into their little world and I became friends with them. I did a lot of uh, 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 like landscaping work at their little compound. Mm-hmm. So, when this began to get very dangerous and and i knew that we had some real serious evil in the house and and i went to the pastor of our church and a very very godly man good preacher good church and i told him what was happening and uh his eyes got real big and it was basically well, what do you want me to do about it you know first mm-hmm. of all he questioned my sanity? Am I, you know, am I being melodramatic or trying to blame family issues on some supernatural? He, he wasn't into it. And mm-hmm. I could tell he didn't want anything to do with it. Why? So I went and I, 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 talked to the, the, the mother superior of this convent and she said she, she belonged to this order called the passionist nuns. And there's also passionist priests. And she said, you need to talk to some of the priests down at the monastery uh, which I did, but then uh, I was no longer in office. But I was very close friends with the mayor of Pittsburgh, and we were we were close. I mean, we we worked together, collab- collaborated together when I was commissioner and he was mayor, and we built sports stadiums and different things. And and uh, he said, "Let me go see the bishop, mm-hmm. you know, the bishop of uh, the Catholic diocese." Right. So he went and saw the Bishop and that's how I was directed to the Catholic church. Um, he came back and said, you're going to get a call tonight at seven o'clock, uh, take the call. And, uh, and they were very businesslike. Uh, it was weird. They, they seemed to know already about the situation. And, uh, I like to equate it to that scene in the movie, the matrix, um, Where Morpheus uh, says to the 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 Neo, uh, I have the red pill and the blue pill. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You take the, the, you know the what is it the blue pill? uh, You wake up in your bed tomorrow and forget all about this. You take the red pill, and uh, you're gonna you know, you're you're gonna see reality. And and that was basically uh, the uh, the the uh, what I was offered. They said, listen, you can you can sell the house to somebody else wish them well, like they did with you and move your family out of it and move on. Or uh, we can, we can try to fight this thing and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we will help you. But what I didn't like uh, what he said, because I thought, you know, the Catholic church has this lineage that goes back to apostolic times of Uh dealing with the demonic. I mean, right, the New Testament is replete with with examples of Jesus dealing with demons and the apostles uh-huh. dealing with demons. It's you know kind of an, a regular thing, and um, so the Catholic Church has this history of knowing have a process of you know like the movie The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So he said to me, um, "We will deal with this in a year. We will know if we're making progress." I said, wait, wait, what do you mean? Can't you just come here and the bishop, you know, and do his thing and get some incense and say some prayers and it'll be over. And he said, no, this, this isn't going to be that easy. And it was really odd that he, from the beginning seemed to be working from some kind of historical script. He knew uh, what we were dealing with. And uh, in the book, I, I lay out eventually how he knew what he knew, but at the time it seemed very, very odd. And what he said, I didn't want to hear. I mean, I thought, I just thought, you know, it's like calling the plumber to come and, you know, uh, unclog a drain. They'll take care of it, but it wasn't that easy. And in the end, most of the battle had mm-hmm. to be fought, uh, by me, uh, with my wife, um, on a daily basis. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it wasn't, the priests would come every seven to 10 days. Uh, and usually after they left, things would get much worse.
0: Right. That's what I was getting ready to ask you if it got yeah. better, if it got worse. Um, I don't know if uh, Enoch, what do you, I know you got something to ask. I, I mean, I've been would, hogging the mic. No, no I, I would, I would say would the, uh, would the manifestations, uh, get worse after every mass?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It would, uh, when we would, when we would, you know, do the, uh, you know, go through the rituals, it wasn't only mass, they would always say prayer, we would say rosaries. they would use incense, it always kind of varied. But whenever they would come and they would usually stay there for several hours, these two priests that were somewhat assigned to us. Um, and, uh, and we'd talk about it, we'd talk about what happened after their last visit and then I talked to this kind of mysterious priest on the phone who worked for bishop. And uh, he talked to me all the time. And mm-hmm. uh, um, he kind of guided me through the process and, they, then, and then they would tell us, or he would tell me particularly, what I could expect, what was mm-hmm. going to happen in the house as this okay. progressed, that eventually there would be blood dripping from the walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the house. And that's uh, it was and that's, to
0: get it bad. That's the famous portion. Um, mm-hmm. because there's several other books that talk about your house and your experience, and that's where I first I first encountered your story in um Billy Hollowell's book, Playing with Fire. And it was it talked about blood dripping from walls, uh, even hearing Adam Blay talk about when he was in part of the investigation team, the paranormal, which uh if you can disclose a little bit about that, that came in and investigated the house. You actually had a team from Penn state.
1: Yeah. That's before right. they were famous. You know, they yeah. went on to have their own television show and, you know, they really began the whole paranormal movement. Um, I mean, every little town has a, you know, you know, the, the Youngstown Paranormal Research Society or whatever, you know, the right. Birmingham, um, uh, what, whatever they all these little clubs of ghost hunters and so on. But that a lot of that began with that show Paranormal State. And um, uh, they were when 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 they came to our, our house, they were still just they were students at Penn State and uh, they investigated the paranormal. And uh, I was directed, one, the priest had some way heard about this group and what they wanted to do, they weren't really looking for them to solve anything. What they wanted to do was to have an outside source that was mm-hmm. non-clerical, non-church related and right. non-related to us as a family come into the house and verify, hey, there's crazy stuff going on here. There's paranormal events taking place here that are serious. And that was their, their task. And mm-hmm. they did a good job. And they came twice. And it was dangerous for them. And uh, uh, it, 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 it really put on a show. I mean, I, I would say their involvement was kind of a watershed event. Um, really kind of flushed this thing out. They really aggravated it. And uh, um, what it taught me from their experience was that this thing could be affected because up to that Mm -hmm. point, it basically, we were at its whim and will to kind of terrify us. But after that point, I realized there were things and things I could do to make its existence in the house kind of as miserable as it it was trying to make us. And we were, I learned how to fight back, how to fight it. And how yeah. to, to um, how it operated, what it fed on, and uh, and thus then the battle began.
0: Yeah, because you guys, I mean, it's like Paul says: uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Um, so we can't pull out a gun, can't pull out a knife, mm-hmm. and this is a whole nother. Like, how do I protect my family against something? And what do you unseen? do? How do
1: you affect? Right, and, and I did find out. I'll tell you what I used to call Catholic hocus pocus, you know, the <laughs> holy water and blessed candles and incense and mm-hmm. all that, that stuff works. I'm telling mm-hmm. you it works. It has power. This thing hated. Holy water, hated. I would hit it with holy water and it was dark to the other side of the room.
0: Yeah. Cause uh, you, you were saying it would, it had a foul smell.
1: Oh, it was terrible. You know, it was a, it was a combination of like a, Burning tires, mm. burning rubber, almost like uh, if you've ever, you know, uh, an electric fire, you know, electricity that yeah. burns rubber of an extension cord or something. It's a really pungent, like sulfuric smell. Mm. And this thing had that that smell and it was so strong, but it you could only smell it, it was like someone who had really bad breath or body oh, wow. odor. You can only smell it when you're right next to them, talking to them. Mm-hmm. If someone has bad breath, you can't smell it three feet away. Mm-hmm. It's only right. when you get up next to them. Um, so when I was right on top of the thing, that's how I kept track of it by that smell. And there were certain bedrooms where we had to take all the furniture out. They came like battle zones. And, uh, I would confront this thing uh, in these rooms and I, and, and my wife for a time, um, would uh be with me and we would say the rosary together out loud would have blessed candles i've had holy water and it would make its appearance in the room and i could like basically chase it around the room with holy water Mm -hmm. by sense of smell when i could smell it i knew i was right i could see it wasn't behind me i knew when it was right in front of me and i'd hit it and it would move and uh, it was draining uh, it was a continuous thing. And that's just one of the experiences. It was a, it was a, a battle where it was trying to drive us out of the house. And, uh, uh, it, it, uh, it almost succeeded.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Um, cause you, you also noted too, that, uh, it didn't care for rosaries, certain type of rosary beads and yeah. the passion of the Christ. That,
1: that was yeah.
0: Yeah. Mel Gibson.
1: Yeah, that was, uh. That was an experience. I I mean, the rosary is a powerful weapon. And again, you know, um, you know, Protestants have their own view on Mary and the rosary and so on. But, but mm-hmm. I can tell you, I would, I would say the rosary at night before I went to bed. And then generally when I went to bed at night, I would, I would fall asleep every night saying the rosary in bed. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, more times every night every night i would and i would wake up in the morning and no matter what rosary i was using if you're familiar with with rosary beads they're like a little chain little Mm -hmm. little small beads connected Mm -hmm. by a little chain Mm -hmm. and those rosary beads the the chain would always be they would be fused together they weren't bent or anything but the links in 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 several places would be fused together to form like little little figure eights so they couldn't be prayed and i I, you know every morning i i had little jeweler plowers and i would have to take those things apart and put them back together again the next morning same thing would happen Mm. and uh i knew uh, you know there would be times when i wouldn't be in the house and i'd take the rosary beads and i'd pray it do the same thing and next morning i wake up the rosary beads would be fine Mm-hmm. But in the house, um, they were always. It was always uh, messing with those rosaries, or, you know, it. At one point, this was really freaky. I had a uh, a crystal set of rosaries that my mother had given me. Someone had given them to them, for, or given it to her. Um, it had come from Medjugorje in uh, in Europe, uh, and it had a, a silver cross uh, on it. And one night, I, I went i thought they were very powerful rosaries so i'd use them and the cross was actually looked like someone um like the guy on on uh on uh, james bond with the metal teeth had taken them and chewed the the cross you Mm can see teeth marks on the cross the the cross was mangled Mm. and uh it didn't like rosary beads did not like rosary beads and uh um but that was another thing and then back to someone he he had mentioned the passion of the christ um that's a very powerful movie very Mm -hmm. very super powerful Mm -hmm. and uh uh, one of the bedrooms the blue room i put that movie on i put it on repeat and that thing played 24 hours a day for about six months until the player just fell apart (laughs) and uh um I would come in, my wife would come in during the day and the TV would be turned off. The DVD would be turned off. Sometimes she would find the, the, the uh, disc out of the player. Um, we'd just turn it right back on again and let it play. And mm-hmm. uh, those are the types of things that I found were very powerful weapons against this demon.
0: hmm all right. I know we, um, we're we coming close on time. There's a whole lot more I would like to talk about in the book, but um, tell us about the final showdown.
1: Yeah. Um, the diocese brought in a very famous exorcist mm-hmm. from New York City, James Labar. He was even on, I think, 2020 once, years ago, doing an exorcism. And uh, they brought him in to do a... a a, a, uh, a house exorcism and brought him from, from New York and, you know, priests came with him and so on. And he spent three hours in the house and went through the whole process. And when it was done, uh the thing seemed to be, it was still there. I knew it was still there. Cause I saw it, but it seemed to be confined to the basement. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to be upstairs anymore. It was in the basement. And I mm-hmm. saw it once in the basement. So I told the priest that was working with us, Father Mike, about this. And I said, you know what? I think this thing may be on its last legs. Why don't we have mass and have a ceremony in the basement? Mm-hmm. And um, so we did. Brought the whole family together in the basement. And um, it was funny. Our, our old dog at the time, he could see this thing. Um, you know, there are. However, our, I, I could take a picture. Mm-hmm. I could see, you know, you see nothing in front of you, but when the film is developed, the picture picks it up. I have, right. I have a picture in the book of, of, right. uh, yep. Uh, yep. And, and for whatever reason, our minds can't process those, but animals can see it. And all the time I'd catch him, he'd be, he'd, he'd go into what I call his terminal stare. It was a point. And he would stand at the front of a a door of a bedroom and just bark into the empty bedroom. And I knew what he was looking at. And in fact, when I took that picture that's in the book, I was coming down the steps after taking pictures of the blood on the wall. And I saw him doing his stare up at me. And I simply took a picture of him um, with the camera. And then when it was developed, I saw the thing had been right in front of me. So Mm -hmm. he was very much a part of. Uh, when we had masses, he would sit with us uh, during the mass. It was funny. I, he, he just became part of it. <laughs> so we had the whole basement was set up with chairs and there were a number of people there who were going to have the mass. And, and he was too old to negotiate steps anymore. He stood at the top of the steps and he barked. And I said, oh my, I went up and I picked him up. He was a Cocker Spaniel. And I carried him down the steps and set him down there with us. Mm -hmm. There's a reason I'm telling you this. So as we're going through the mass, and the part of the mass called the consecration, where the priest uh, actually, you know, goes through the process of turning the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, as he was going through, you know, this is my body, this is my blood, there was a very loud knock on the wall from the furnace room, which was on the other side of where we were having the mass you could hear this loud knock on the wall. So I knew the thing was there. It made its presence known. So when the mass was over, our dog wandered into that room and then back to a room that had once been used to store coal in when Mm -hmm. the house had a coal furnace. And he went into his terminal stair in that small coal room. So I knew it was in there, you know? And he barked and he looked in there went into his pointing position. So I, uh, Father Mike and I, I said, it's in there. So we went in and basically kind of cornered it and uh, said some very powerful prayers. And it was kind of a mystical thing that took place. And uh, that's that's where it all ended. And I always thought when it ended, there would be like some big dramatic bolt of lightning or something. right? But the way I describe it, it was a blazing fire that eventually just burnt itself out and okay. faded away. But I knew at that point I could feel it in my bones. This is over. It's mm. over. And I took the crucifix off of the little makeshift altar that we had uh, put together for the mass. And I set it right in the corner of that coal room. And I said, it's over. We're done. And that mm. was the end of it. That was the end of it.
0: Amen. You Amen. know, if you well, got anything? Uh, no, no, I'm good. Let me um. Let me ask you. Somebody's probably thinking, how how does somebody's house become demonically infested? What
1: what did it? Yeah. Um. I think I. I, You know. I think I discovered that as well. Um. And there had been a long history of problems with this house. As I said, that went back to the depression. The house was built in 1909, but I believe it went back even further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, we've, I later found out that there are four people buried in the front yard, a mother and her three uh-huh. daughters. And back after the Revolutionary War in 1792, like starting about 1789, uh, about to 92, 93, there was a very, very vicious war between the new United States government and the Iroquois nation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Iroquois had had a, had a treaty with the British with the English that there would be no settlement beyond the Allegheny Mountains. And after the United States got all this land, uh, they had debts to pay and they wanted westward expansion into the Ohio territory. Mm-hmm. And once settlers started going in there, um, a war broke out and it was a very vicious war and um, a terroristic war. And the, and the Americans, Native Americans wanted to send a very loud message to pioneers that if you come into our land, you're going to die. And your, Mm -hmm. your, your family will die too. And, um, even though this area was near Fort Pitt, which had to be reactivated, which is now Pittsburgh, um, uh, this mother and her three daughters were killed by a, a, uh, you know, a raiding party. And what we feel is that whatever spirits that these Uh, warriors prayed to, to give them strength and courage and to be vicious in war and, you know, victorious. Because of that heinous act of killing those children and their mother, that the spirit attached itself to that where it took place, the land where the house eventually was built. And that spirit was still there and inhabited the house. And its goal was 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 killing children and hurting children and thus um, thus the abortionist doctor and so on and uh, and so on and then eventually you know what it did to my own children and uh, Mm. so that's that's what we deduced was the uh, the uh, kind of the initiated the genesis of the of the possession
0: Uh, last question i promise you do you have any regrets for staying that long
1: well i have regrets in uh keeping my children in the house yeah i did move my daughter and her husband and my mm-hmm. grandson out but i my my sons stayed and uh um it uh it damaged them. It damaged, mm-hmm. them it damaged my marriage i'm the you know my wife and i uh eventually divorced we had a son who committed suicide uh not months after the book was published and uh, it had a long-term impact. My, my kids, I have two sons left that are doing well now. Um, But uh, they, they were damaged by it. And it's, it's uh, if it's a war I wanted to fight, that's one thing, but they were collateral damage. My wife was collateral damage. It really kind of messed us up. And, And it's like outing the mob you know, the mob isn't happy when, when you prove that they exist. Right. And uh, evil isn't happy either. And mm-hmm. that's why I think this book is important. It does point to the fact that the e- evil does exist. That's the message of the book and God mm-hmm. exists though, as well.
0: Yeah. Well, Hey, we've been talking with uh, Bob Cramer, author, and Survivor, I guess we can put Survivor on there, The Demon House, or The Demon of Brownsville Road, a Pittsburgh family battle with evil in their home. You can you can actually read these stories that Bob has disclosed to us today on Truth Be Told, Hosea 46 Podcast, plus more. Uh, the Demon gave his name up. Um, uh, you can find out about the bite marks that appeared on uh, some of his family members, uh, even to the point where a doctor uh, they had to go see a doctor over the bite mark uh, that appeared. Um, also, you can find out about the Catholic mystic that was involved. I didn't I didn't want that's to disclose probably, too much. Yeah, but, That's
1: probably the most interesting part of the book. And you don't find out about that until the end, as the end. I did, as I found out about it eventually uh, well after uh, things took place.
0: Yeah, because um, Enoch and I, we were calling each other like, man, how does he know? This exorcist is not showing up at the house. How does he know this information? Was he involved previously? Get the book and you'll find find out. The the father
1: father over the phone. It gave me a different perspective on faith. It gave me a different perspective on doctrine. And I found out that there is no Bible answer, man. There's nobody that has all the answers. Believe me. -hmm. Uh, There's a lot out there we don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, even ghosts, ghosts exist, folks, you know, but there's a difference between a ghost and a demon. Believe Mm me, Mm -hmm. haunted houses are common. Uh, Demonically infest, demonic infestations are not.
0: Right, right. Now, um, now, how can people reach you if they want to find out more about the house? Now, you did turn it into a bed and breakfast, correct?
1: Yeah, it's very successful. And the funny thing is, you know, we just had people in, Uh, uh, the last two nights they they came here from Delaware and uh, read the book. Um, uh, They come to the house, I make sure that, uh, you know, there's no seances or no ghostbusters or anything can come in. Uh, But everyone says how peaceful it is, Mm, um, how restful it is. And uh, it certainly doesn't have the feel of a house that went through a war and praise be the glory of Jesus Christ and shed blood on the cross because it overcomes evil. And that is the bottom line of the story. That's why I wrote the book to testify um, that uh, it's all real folks, no matter what you Mm -hmm. want to believe about science and evolution and all that um, aliens and ancient. It's all true. The devil Mm -hmm. and God and Jesus. That's what it is. Believe me.
0: Amen, amen. And amen. you did say you had a movie coming Bob, out. And, and real quick. And Go ahead, Enoch. Yep. No, and, and real quick, Bob, I, years after th- this occurred, have you dealt with anything, Dave, or?
1: Dealt with anything what?
0: Like, think... You know, like any, like,
1: like. You mean in the house you're breaking up?
0: Yeah, you're, sick, you're sitting with is um breaking up yeah correct correct
1: um you know i think the the ghost of the woman who died in the house may may still be there um and i i talk about that in the book Uh, Mm -hmm. i think uh, she may have a reason that she hangs on um uh but it's not malicious uh, and it's nothing you know like the demonic um Mm -hmm. uh the house again we've had had no uh, issues with guests or anything um, uh, it, it's, it's a peaceful, it's a very, very nice place to visit. And, uh, again, I want it to stand as a testimony to the glory of God and his power oh, wow. over evil. And, um, wow. um uh, that's why I opened it up. I certainly had no grand plan to, you know, write a book and then, uh, you know, open a bed and breakfast. I, I was, I, I wrote this book and had a house, um, uh, that I lived in by myself. And uh, what were the prospects of selling that house after I wrote a book about it being possessed? Um, So I decided to turn the house into a bed and breakfast. Uh, I knew it was clean. It's been uh, over 15 years now since it ended. And uh, so that's the story. Amen. Amen. You did say you have a movie. You can find out information about the book. There's a website called demonofbrownsville.com. Mm -hmm. Uh, the books available on Amazon on uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, I don't know if it's still in bookstores. It's been uh, a number of years since 2014. Um, but yeah, Warner brothers, uh, new line media, you know, Lord of the Rings and the conjuring and so Mm -hmm. on. They, They, those movies, they bought the rights to it. They recently announced that they hired a writer for the screenplay. So we'll see what happens. Is there a projection
0: as far as when it might come out a projected? Well, they, they,
1: they, you know, they haven't told me, they initially bought the rights right in September, you know, a few months before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So nothing took place for over a year. And uh, then they renewed Mm -hmm. the rights again uh, recently and, uh, and announced that they had had, uh, were working on, on the movie. So I'm encouraged by that. It doesn't Mm -hmm. absolutely mean that, you know, they're going to, you know, it, Seems they're investing time and money in it, so we'll see yeah. if they if they move forward with the movie. I believe that it's a story um, that is very compelling, and, and one that God wants to be told. and And I feel honored that uh, you know I I can basically be a, a minister for him uh, to to thousands uh, around the world mm-hmm. uh, through this experience and my book.
0: Do you have an actor that wants, that you want to play? <laughs> That's what everyone said.
1: <laughs> I don't know. It must be a young actor because I was a lot younger then. And,
0: yeah, yeah. And,
1: yeah. Uh, but my life has changed a lot. Uh, you know, my family kind of fell apart uh, after that. And uh, as I said, I was divorced. We lost a son. But God's God blesses. I kind of feel like Job. I was recently remarried and and have a new relationship.
0: Congratulations. Life. Thank you. We're good. We're good. Well, hey, we um we are actually out of time, but
1: okay. Hey, listen, uh,
0: yeah, appreciate you. Thank you for stopping by, um, Enoch. Thank you, man. Uh, you know we um, we're on a journey too of, of reading on some some stuff, and we truly appreciate your work and you telling your story. Um, and I know this is going to have a tremendous impact, and because we're global, TBT Hosea is across the world, literally. So um, we just—I sincerely, from the bottom of my heart—thank you for coming on.
1: Sure, I. Hey, thank you for doing it. I. No, sir. I, thank I, you. I, I give every, you know, every, uh, everyone that wants to do a podcast or an interview or whatever the same, you know, uh, uh, respect and attention.
0: Mm-hmm. and uh when i'm in pittsburgh i'm gonna call you because i want to go to permante brothers oh yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> eat the, eat
1: the, eat the french fries on the sandwich
0: yes sir yes sir well listen god bless you all thank, thank, you. thank you so much and we'll catch you on a flip thank you Peace. thank you
1: hey, nice meeting you gentlemen Bye. thank you all
0: Bye. right same
1: okay